What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You are listening to The Straight Shooters exclusively on Wildfire Radio. Subscribe to The Straight Shooters podcast on iTunes by visiting the iTunes store and download every episode on wildfireradio.com. Now, here's Vaughn Johnson and Nick Picone bringing you the latest and greatest in the world of professional wrestling. Look at this! Oh, you're kidding me. Marcus. Are you going to try to beat Bret Hart with a sharpshooter? Yes, he is! Are you kidding me? What's up, ladies and gentlemen out there and what they call the interweb, the internet? You're watching a special edition of The Straight Shooters on YouTube, Wi-Fi Radio, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher. It's episode 123. And you're wondering why Why all of a sudden? Why You know, you had 122 yesterday. Why is 123 24 hours later? Well, if you watch 122, you should know why we're here. In case you didn't, we're here because it's November 9th, 2017. What happened on this day 20 years ago? Nick Pacone, a Philly voice and Philly influencer, remind the people what happened 20 years ago on this day. Well, I woke up and I brushed my teeth and then I went. Not that personal stuff, man. Oh, oh. What, oh, happened? Okay. Uh, what happened in Montreal that night? Oh, uh, Survivor Series 1997. And I believe the, the rumor going around is Bret Hart got screwed. The, the 20 year old rumor. Yeah. Of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. For the WWE Championship in the main event of Survivor Series 1997, Gang Rules with a Z was the subtitle. But yeah, probably the most infamous night in, I won't say wrestling history, but definitely recent WWE history was, at least in, it's, it's something that played out in public, was this night 20 years ago. We're also joined by the third man, Brian Isley. Brian, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing well, man. Um, uh, of course, we're going to talk about the uh, the Montreal, Montreal screw job, which was 20 years ago on this day. But as I've been um, researching November 9th, uh, November 9th had, was a crazy day, like, mm. period. Do tell. November 9th was, uh, was when Wu-Tang uh, debuted with Enter the 36 Chambers. Classic. So, indeed. Five mics so, in the source. So, uh, it... it 
they 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 didn't give they it didn't give it five mics, right? But they went back and gave it five mics. They they revived. Yeah, they, yeah, they did. But, um, definitely a classic. Uh, You're right. And, uh, changed changed it, the genre completely. And um, that same day, a tribe called Quest released their third album, Midnight Marauders, and. It's the third. It's the twentieth anniversary of Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson one. So, Wait a minute. You said so Tyson and Holyfield one was on the same day as Survivor Series ninety seven. Was it ninety six? Maybe ninety six. I think Tyson, Tyson Holyfield ninety six years ago. My my bad. Twenty one years ago. Yeah. You are absolutely I'm like what? No, it wasn't on the same night. <laughs> Boxing matches are not on Sundays anyway. So thanks, thanks for the call. Right, usually on Saturdays. Yeah, I was 21 years ago, 1996. So uh, yeah, wow. November 9th is uh, a ridiculous day. <laughs> now Tyson Holyfield won wasn't the night he bit his ear. That was the second fight. No, no, that was the right. second night, and um, that was in 97. Holyfield picked up where he left off, whooping Mike Tyson's ass, and and Mike got right. <laughs> extremely frustrated and bit the man not once but twice. Right. Oh, so, man. like I said, we're talking all about the Montreal screw job today on the straight shooters on all the platforms I named earlier. So thanks for joining us live. If you're joining us live. Thank you. We appreciate it. Feel free to interact with us on Twitter, on YouTube and stuff like that. Uh, we'll be monitoring, monitoring those channels as we go along here. But let's first explain what this was, because there's probably people who weren't even alive back then, because this was 20 years ago. Mm. Or you weren't watching or. Somehow you weren't made aware of this over the last 20 years. And you probably heard about this. What is this Montreal Screwjob thing? Well, in short, before we go in depth, in short, long story short, was that Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart had a WWE Championship match in the main event of Survivor Series in Montreal. The whole plan was for Vince McMahon and WWE wanted Shawn Michaels to beat Bret Hart because Bret Hart was a WWE champion walking in. He had won a title at SummerSlam earlier that year. So the plan was was for Vince Shawn Michaels to lose to beat Bret Hart for the title. Bret Hart didn't want to lose for various reasons we'll get into in a little bit, but he didn't want to lose. So, you know, push came to shove. Vince McMahon said, you're going to lose and we're going to make this happen. Bret Hart walked into this match thinking that he wasn't going to lose, at least lose the title. But as things, you know, as history played out, Shawn Michaels put Bret Hart in the sharpshooter and as soon as he got him, lock him in a sharpshooter, Earl Hebner rung the bell and awarded Shawn Michaels the match, made him the winner. Shawn Michaels takes the title, gets out of Dodge. Bret Hart spits in Vince McMahon's face. He did more to him later that night, but we will get more into it. But essentially, they screwed him out of the title that he coveted so much. Uh, there's a whole documentary about this time period called Wrestling with Shadows that you can see a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that you probably won't see anywhere else. I don't think there is any other type of footage but of that of the aftermath anywhere else besides that documentary and a whole bunch of shoot interviews over the years it is 20 years after all whole bunch of shoot interviews over the years about what happened this night but we're going to talk about in depth but before we do that uh brian tell me just give me a quick glimpse of where you were and what, what was it like when watching when you watched this live or after the fact when you realized what had happened um i watched it live you know, back then, I was uh, a 16-year-old sophomore at Salem High School, and we were all about it. We were all about uh, wrestling, especially during that time. So we were we were intrigued. We watched it. I watched it with my friends. So 
the best part about that was I didn't have to wait till Monday to talk about it. But we could talk about it right there. So we knew something was going on, but this was still a time where you had you had an idea, but you weren't really sure until you know it was confirmed. But we saw him literally spit in Vince's face, and we knew something had had went terribly wrong. So, um, over the years, I, I've been, I've been, uh, I've changed my stance on on, on the Montreal screw job. At first, I, I was a diehard. Bret Hart fan, and I was like, F Vince, F Sean, I'll never watch uh, WWF, WWE programming again. <laughs> WTN, WCW, Nitro till I die. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, gears down the road, I realized that WCW sucked, especially at uh, ushering in new talent and creating storylines for them. So the the uh the, the the screw job was bad. It was bad in a sense that that was the beginning of the end of Bret Hart's career. Yeah, pretty much. It was the beginning of the end cuz he only wrestled for another like year and a half, maybe maybe 2 years after that and he was done wrestling. But um at least at least he Nick. secured that bag though. He secured that bag. He did. He did, and he's probably secured a couple others after that. So he, Bret Hart ain't broke. We know we should know that. Um, but Nick, t- kind of give us a snapshot into where you were and what your initial reaction was when you first watched it back in the Man, day. I was so pumped up. And these these pay per views, I got so hyped for growing up, and especially like the weekend of you know the the week of school leading up to the weekend. You know, I was I was talking about it with all my friends who didn't even like care about wrestling. They're probably like, dude, just shut the hell up. But I was like, dude, like Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels is going to be like the biggest match ever. <laughs> and uh, so I was like hyped for it. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, I thought it was weird how, how the match started because I, I paid attention to the ref not ringing the bell. So I was like, wow, are they even going to fight? You know, they were, when they were going through the crowd and all that and in the aisle way. And I was like, is this match ever going to happen? I was kind of down, you know, in the beginning of it because I'm like, what the hell? But then, like, they got in the ring, the ref rang the bell. I was like, all right. And I thought it was a good match. You know, they never have a bad match together. Uh, it wasn't their WrestleMania match, but, like, I can't really compare the two, in my opinion, uh, in case I just had to throw that out there. But, uh, you know, the, the ending, I was just really – I honestly thought – like, I, I was 12, so I'm still – going into it thinking it's real to an extent or uh, I was like it's still real to me damn it I was like some things are fake but you know some things are real and I I was I was 100% like I was like Bret Hart gave up you know like that I was like you know the sharpshooter is a (laughs) devastating I was like it's a devastating move and obviously he was trying to get out and he 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 must have accidentally said he quit when he was trying to reverse it and the referee, like I, I paid no attention to the referee, the kind of like hightailing it out after uh, I saw him spit at Vince. To me, that was just that was kind of like, in a way, I was like, wow, he just said "f you" to Vince, like he quit on purpose, and that wasn't supposed to be what happened. I almost thought it was the opposite, like Brett almost screwed Vince in a way. But in my twelve-year-old mind, you are such I, a dork. I couldn't really. What? <laughs> I had a lot of dork. things going. Uh, on in my head, man. Well, damn. Oh, he tapped out. 
Sharpshooter. Such a devastating move. Ask the man what he thought about it from a 12 year old's perspective. He was 12. And damn, he's still a dork. And you're an asshole. You're terrible. You're terrible. I've been called worse. I bet. <laughs> oh man well let me just say i i thought that you know brett was kind of like digging into vince and like he quit on his own you know that's kind of the mindset i had going in to really the rest of the year and until 98 when you know i finally got the internet and i was able to like see certain things that were written about the montreal screw job and i think it was like middle of 98 where i really got quote unquote smartened up on what exactly happened and uh, I wound up subscribing for a little bit to Dave Meltzer's newsletter. Uh, thanks, mom. You know, for like a month. But I, <laughs> I, read, month. That, I read that whole like Montreal screwdriver right up. And I was just like, what? And that at that point, I was 13. You know, I'm just like, what the hell? So, yeah, uh, yeah that was kind of where I was at at that moment. By the way, side note, uh, the good brother Sawyer is interacting with, with, interacting with us on YouTube. So thanks, Sawyer. I don't know why you're not on the show tonight, but thanks for interacting with us anyway. Uh, in some way, shape, or form, he's a part of the show, and he did say that uh, he did secure that Burhart did secure the bag after he left WWE. That was yeah, he definitely secured the bag. So he definitely you know. secured the bag. Cool. Uh, I don't remember the first time. Front. Yeah, for, straight up. But um, I wasn't even watching wrestling in '97. I kind of fell off in like '95 with everybody else. But Nick was the only one left. Nah. So, <laughs> but Ooh. I didn't start watching until like maybe mid '98. So I didn't see it live. I don't remember the first time I did see this all play out. Um, I obviously it was like on a DVD or a YouTube or something like that. And so, so I, I couldn't give you a recollection of what it was like to see it before I knew what in the world happened. I went into it knowing what happened. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was crazy. It was obviously crazy. And um, it's, 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 I, I think the first time I watched it was before they had kind of kissed and made up on TV. So real controversial even back then because obviously they that was 2010 when they kind of like you know let bygones be bygones finally but before before that it was still like this was the craziest thing because Bret Hart hadn't been back in WWE yet Shawn Michaels was still getting those chants you screwed Bret and it was like you know but you know besides the Crispin Wasta which is obviously way more serious and way more tragic maybe a step or two down from that was this. I think it's kind of lessened over the years because they are on better terms and we've kind of heard a lot of the different sides and stuff like that. And it's really up to your interpretation, how you feel about it. But back then it was like, whoa, screw job. How crazy was that? But at least in in my mind it was. I remember remember being at a a live Monday Night Raw in 2002. This was when um, the NWO was there. Sean and Sean was with the NWO, they went to commercial break and all you heard was you screwed Brett. You screwed Brett. In 2002, and Kevin yeah. Nash turned to the crowd and pointed at Sean and said, yeah, he did, and laughed. <laughs> that's the same one that's where he... Kevin Nash got hurt. I was gonna, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I remember Kevin that being in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, alright, so... Five years after that, it was just crazy how how prominent that was. Yeah. It really didn't go away and sort of go away, I think, until 
maybe 2010 and, and probably still i mean obviously still some feelings some heat you know some feelings and some lingering stuff after till this day that's the reason why we're talking about it but uh let's go back to the beginning though let's go back to sort of what led to all of this what led to november 9th 1997 and where i'm going to start is wcw on december 18th 1995 what happened on this night wcw well medusa who was the wwe women's champion was she had left she was fired she was released from the company because wwe was doing away with women's wrestling with the wwe women's championship in her possession and she went on TV at the, at the request of WCW Eric Bischoff. She took the title on live television and dropped it into a trash can. That's a very important moment because that's what really that's really the crux of all of this to begin with. There's a lot of stuff playing into this, but remember that because this is what this is what Vince didn't like. That I think WCW got sued over that, and Vince would he was going through hell going. He's going, going, going to go through hell or high water to make sure that something like that didn't happen again. Right? So let's fast forward a little bit. Let's go to 1996. And feel free to chime in, chime in at some point, guys, because I'm, I'm going to kind of not ramble, but I'm going to go through some things. But um, tonight, 1996, where WCW is pursuing Bret Hart. They offered him, I think it was a three-year deal worth $9 million from what I yep. researched. And he said, it, yeah. I think he even said as much on Wrestling with Shadows. Yeah. So they offer him this deal. It's at that point, and probably till to this day, a very lucrative deal. I mean, you're making $3 million a year. I don't, there aren't too many guys making more than a million dollars a year in WWE now. Nope. So, I mean, they're a handful, but not many. So $3 million a year and with less dates, and it's guaranteed to. In 1996, was like, whoa, you hit the jackpot. And Bret, needless to say, Bret Hart wasn't making that much money in WWE. He's probably making more than a million, but with way more dates, and it wasn't guaranteed. He had to work for that money. Uh, but Bret, being the loyal hound dog that he was, WWE, from what I researched, was on October 21st, 1996, for less money. He, he but it was a 20-year deal. So he had way more job security, obviously, because it was for 20 years. And, you know, he did it out of loyalty to Vince because Vince made him who he was. You know, he's with Vince since, with an 84, I think, he when he first went to WWF, WWE. Yeah. So that was, to that point, he was with WWE for 13, 14 years. Over a decade. So he was loyal to Vince. And he's like, you know, he said this on Wrestling with Shadows. Like, I, you know, it's easy to leave during the bad times. So I want to stick around and be loyal. You know, he kind of saw it. He, he said he saw it as like leaving his dad during a tough time. And you know how... Right. Brett felt about his father, he kind of saw Vince as sort of a second father to him. So, uh, just imagine was, if, if that contract stayed the way it was, he it would have just expired last year. <laughs> Isn't that right, crazy? right. Yeah, it would have expired. It would expired this. Yeah, he signed in ninety six. So it would expire a year ago in October twenty first. That's crazy. That's a good point, Great. man. Yeah, he he signed he signed the Magic Johnson contract. That was Magic Johnson's contract with the Lakers. 20 what who signed 20 year deals that's just straight yeah, up right. loyalty right there. weird weird when magic did it it's weird like what was it like ricky who was it, who was it the islanders goalie who sounded like was it islanders goalie oh, sound like a 20 yeah. year rick dph dph yeah like they do that in hockey sometimes where they sound like 12 year 13 year contract i was like what yeah you know damn well he's not gonna be on the team for that long <laughs> but dph i think it's still, they're probably still paying uh, dph i don't i don't even know but <laughs> 
But yeah, they do. You you look up some hockey contracts. At least I don't know if they still do it today, but they definitely did it like a decade ago, where they were signing like ten plus year deals. It was weird. They, they did that. You know, um, the new CBA too before that strike, I think, uh, a couple years ago. So yeah, they they definitely did it recently as well. Deals like that, I right? Right. Besides the contract situation that was going on with Brett, he also had some things going on behind the scenes with Shawn Michaels. He wasn't a fan of Shawn Michaels, and Shawn Michaels wasn't a fan of him. And uh, pretty much after, like, 95, 96, they really had a lot of beef with each other. I think that's well documented. We all know they didn't really bang with each other like that. Uh, There was a point where this is conflicting because the the, the conflicting part is that they were going to work at WrestleMania at WrestleMania 14 because Brett said in some interview that he was told – him and Shawn Michaels want to work at WrestleMania. And that he went to Shawn. I was like, hey, Shawn, I heard we're going to work at WrestleMania. I wouldn't mind dropping a title to you. I wouldn't mind you know, doing, the, doing the honors. And Shawn apparently replied, well, that's good because I wouldn't do that same for you and walked off. And the conflicting thing is here is that Bruce Pritchard said on his show that the plan all along was always go to Austin at WrestleMania. So that's that. I don't, I don't know. I'll... I'll I'll take Bruce Pritchard's word in this incident. That sounds that sounds a lot like Sean around that time because Sean was a it does. complete jerk. Yeah, but it, and it'd be weird too because you had that main event at WrestleMania 12. Why would you do it two years later with the same outcome? You know that that kind of doesn't jive either, in my opinion. Yeah, because it was supposed it was supposed to be they were supposed to do it at WrestleMania 13, not 14. Right. Yeah, and that so that would have been I, I could see that happening with Brett winning it back, but. You know, I didn't. I don't see that happening. You know, the way it was described. I I, I would agree with Bruce right. as well on that. Yeah, and he also said that they had Mike Tyson already in the works for months. Like they knew, even by Survivor Series, that Mike Tyson's going to come in the fold and he's going to run with Austin. Cold Stone, you know, baby. <laughs> Cold Stone. Cold Stone is great, by the way. It is great, but by the way, it's great. But damn, Mike! Like, come I, on, I felt man. so bad for him because he 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 came across as such a big Austin fan, and then Austin basically said "f you." Hey, I'm, I'm still twelve. <laughs> I'm still twelve. I felt bad for Mike Tyson at that time. So <laughs> he felt bad for Mike Tyson. I was like, Austin was a jerk I did, to him. I didn't. That was hilarious, <laughs> and I was like, Mike Tyson's in the bag. So yeah. I wasn't educated back then. <laughs> he bit a man's ear off. Like, that was after he literally I, bit a man's ear off. So, yeah, but I, I, yeah. I, I'm not even like, I wasn't even worried about that. I was just like, man, he's the biggest Austin fan ever. And then Austin basically said, F you. you know? <laughs> like, man. That's something Austin would do. True. I didn't hate Austin for it. I just felt bad for Mike. Let me get that straight. Man, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad for Mike. All right. So, we move along here. At some point, so you remember the heat with, you know, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. At some point, though, in 1997, Vince McMahon comes to Bret Hart and tells him, "Hey, I can't honor your contract anymore. I can't afford to pay you your contract. So you're free to to go negotiate elsewhere, specifically WCW. That's the only other place you would have negotiated." So, what happens? At some point. And he tells him this apparently in Madison Square Garden, which I did not know that. 
But at some point, and there's multiple things going on, like I said, not just Sean, but also Brett was kind of frustrated with the direction WWE's going in because they're going a little more edgy. He didn't like that as well. But he's still, you know, 20-year contract, so he's still sticking around, obviously. But Vince opens up the door and says, hey, I can't do your contract anymore. You know, because even though it's 97 and Brett's there and Austin's about to take off, WWE was still second, you could say, to WCW. WCW is still winning that war. Oh, yeah. Very much so. That's very safe to say. Yeah. So business wasn't booming yet for WWE. So Vince, I guess, was in a position where he said, look, I got to do something. So sorry, Brett. You're probably my most expensive guy. So look, I can't hold you back. If you got another, he knew, and I'm pretty sure Vince knew what he was going to get from WCW, what he was offered the first time, three years, nine million. He knew he wasn't going to be able to match that. So like, look, go ahead and get your money, baby. Like, I can't honor this. So, like, I can't I continue to pay you what I'm paying you right now. So, if you got another offer, please go get it. But, but see, it. see, I don't see, this is where, this is where I get pissed off because, all right, Vince, you, you, you gave him that deal. You gave him that 20 year deal. And, all right, he's, Vince is always talking about lo- loyalty with the company. The wrestlers there, they're under Vince. I'm loyal. I'm loyal to WWE, like Undertaker. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I don't care if things are tight. If the, the, the it may appear that the ship is going down, we're losing. I'm not going anywhere. So why not? The wrestlers are expected to be loyal, but when things get tight for Vince, oh, I can't afford you. You got to go. But you know that's business, man. You know that's how business is. Nah, like, it, 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 it sucks. Is. It sucks, though. It That's the thing. It, it does is, suck. But- you see with athletes all the time. Athletes, they're supposed to be fighting for the team, and then when they're, con- when they're a little too expensive, all of a sudden, they get cut. It's Especially been, in football, because the contracts aren't guaranteed. It was different in professional wrestling, though. This is all a close-knit family-type atmosphere. Everybody, you, you talk to all former superstars in WWE that were very prominent and, and, and popular, they'll say, Vince was like a father figure to me. Fathers don't do that. But when, when you know, when push comes to shove, Vince is going to be about business first. All right, well, shit. That's how he got to take her to the left. That's how he got to that position. Shawn Michaels should have left. Brett should have left. All of them should have left because oh. they're 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 holding the fort down. We love you, Vince. We love you, WWE. We ain't going nowhere. And Vince, at any given moment during that time when they were suffering, could have been like, I can't honor this shit. Get out of here. He, he's eventually rewarded all those guys for sticking around. Like, Undertaker's got a job for life. He'll never, ever have to worry about money. If he ever wants to make a quick buck, he can always have a match. And Vince, probably, Vince is always going to him, and he's going to pay him handsomely every time. Facts. Shawn Michaels is in it now. So he's, he's kind of rewarded those guys for why their not, loyalty, why not especially Undertaker. Same, why not give Brett that same chance to, I don't, to reward I don't know. him later? I don't, I don't know. That's something we, should, we could ask Vince. He said in his, that interview two weeks after that happened, and of course, it's for TV. Who knows how much truth is in it? But he said he wasn't getting that return on investment from Brett. He was making no money with him on top. And you could mm-hmm. argue that Brett's the reason, or you could argue that it's, it was like that since 95, obviously. They weren't so, making any money with Sean at the top. That's, I'm saying. Well, here's what we you do know. Call all were- you want. But that was they his were definitely going on TV. They were definitely going with Austin to be the guy after that. 
So Brett wasn't going to be the top guy moving forward. So I guess his mind, maybe, this is just me spitballing. I'm just speculating. I'm not saying this is right or wrong. Maybe his mind's like, why would I be paying Bret Hart when I'm paying him and having a 20-year deal if he's not going to be my top guy? It's like paying a guy to be your backup quarterback more than your starter. But before he was me the speculating. backup, before he was the backup, he was the starter and MVP. True, but eventually they become backups. That's like sometimes. Okay, this is just like, say 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 Joe Montana gets hurt in San Francisco, right? Instead of him going to Kansas City, he stays in San Francisco. But Steve Young's the backup. They're not going to. He was there for. He was there for a little while, just at, on the bench, like before he left, went to Kansas City. That's the reason why he went to Kansas City because he knew his did time they, was up there. Did they? Did they? Did they tweak his contract though? Did they renegotiate? No, he, did they, Vince didn't tweak, tweak it. Vince didn't tweak it. He said, "I, I'm giving you a chance to go elsewhere." What I'm saying, he didn't is, change the contract. What I'm saying is, he still got paid as the backup, as he was, as yeah. when he was starting. But, but then they, then they let him go. He said, "Hey, you're, you're a starter." Go start somewhere else. We're not going to start you here. And he and they went thirteen and three the next year. <laughs> All right. And 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 the, and the, and the 49ers won the Super Bowl with Steve Young. Chiefs didn't win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, yeah, okay. you're absolutely right. Joe Montana would have won so, that same Super Bowl in '95. I, I believe you. I'm not saying that's not true. I'm just saying like. And they were planning ahead. They were planning for the future. We see this all, especially in sports. The, the Packers. Bye, Brett. We got Aaron Rodgers now. Brett, you played 20 years. Yeah, you're right about that, too. And they want, trust me, they they wanted Brett to retire. They wanted Brett to retire. That's why they didn't let him back. (laughs) Like, they're like, thanks, Brett, for retiring. We're going to go with our guy, Aaron Rodgers. Right, right, right. And yeah, that was, they should have did that. They should have did that two years before they did it. You can make that case. But you know what I'm saying? But this, this was. As much as like I, I agree with you and like he 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 agreed to that contract, but and he should honor it. But you know, like I said, this happens a lot in sports and it's, it sucks. And you're right, athletes shouldn't be loyal to their to their bosses. Just like because you know the bosses aren't gonna be loyal to them. So it's it's it's, it's all business. It's, it should be right. just strictly. It should be strictly business for the athletes and it should be strictly business for the business people or whatever. And that's how it is. That's why I'm not. I, mad. I, I, I would never blame Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. It's good business. Who could you get more money for less work, and it's guaranteed? Of course, you take that money, right? So you know, but yeah, like I, I'll never blame an athlete for holding out from a team because that team could cut them at any moment, and it's, especially from football, and it's not guaranteed. You don't get nothing. You get nothing. You you get you get a swift kick in the ass. That's what you get. Right. You don't even get to go watch. Um, you got anything to add to this, Nick, or? Uh, uh, you guys pretty much covered. <laughs> this is the it. second week in a row, well, second show in a row, where Nick just fell back and let us argue for a good five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the sign of a good co- good co-host. That's why we that's why we work well together. It's chemistry. <laughs> Eventually, though, just like Joe Montana did with the Chiefs, Bret Hart agreed to sign with WCW on November, apparently on November first, nineteen ninety seven. So this is. Not a little more than a week before Survivor Series, he signed a three-year, two and a half million-dollar deal with WCW. So a little less, but I think he had like an over a million in incentives or something like that. I don't remember. So it's still about the same. He's still making about. He's still making money. Let's just yeah get that clear. Still a three-year deal. 
But so as November 1st, he signed a deadline. He was gone. But Brett said that he felt terrible about it. At least in, I think he said it. I'm not sure he said it in wrestling with shadows. He said it in like that little, that little sit down thing he did with Shawn Michaels back yeah, in like well. 2011, 2012 or something like that. I believe he, he, he felt terrible it, about doing it. Right. He said it in the limo, I think when they were taping, when he was either going to a show, I don't think it was survivor series. I think it was like before that, uh, he was in the limo with somebody or maybe just a car. Uh, maybe I'm misremembering, but he definitely said it in wrestling with shadows. So yeah, he, he, I watched that a lot in 1998. So yeah, he <laughs> said he felt bad about it. And somewhat. Yeah. The darkest day of his life and all this and that, even though yeah, I wish he, I had a dark ass day where I made like $3 million yeah, right. by signing a contract. <laughs> I remember he said he, he, he was sitting in his office or whatever, standing in his office. He's just like, I just, well, it, I just did it. I faxed over the contractor or something like that. And, you know, that was, that was really cool to see that. Yeah. In, in a way it was cool. I was like, man, and like, cause WWF, I still loved. So I was like pissed that we were losing him. But at the same time, I was like, all right, let's see. Because I, I knew, obviously, we knew Austin was being groomed, but um, right. Wrestling with Shadows, that was, it, it, like you said earlier, they had probably the best access that anyone's ever had in the documentary about something like that ever. Yeah, you know, yeah, especially in wrestling. Yeah. You know, don't, don't, don't get mad at me, Nick, for saying this, but uh, what Bret Hart said when he faxed those papers over and everything, it's a dark day and all that. That that is that is that is some white privilege shit right there. What he said. <laughs> like I, said, I, I wish I had a dark day like that. I ain't yeah, gonna argue. You just signed a nine million dollar deal and it's a dark day. That that is come on, bro. Hey man, I'm you must have had some sunny days. Uh, oh. <laughs> like come on, man. Like shut up. <laughs> that, that's your boy, though. That's your boy. I agree with that you. Is my boy. I agree with you, Brian. That is my boy, but that's some white privilege shit right there. <laughs> I, I agree with you, Brian, but at the same time, I guess from Brett's stand, from Brett's standpoint, he's like, Well, I've been so loyal, I've been here, I've been comfortable. This is this has been my home, and all of a sudden I'm leaving to an uncertain land, an uncertain place. And but I hey, ain't that uncertain. You got that money's in the bank. That money's guaranteed. I I, I totally I totally get what you're saying. I yeah, I, part. and I know that we all know the backstory. We know why he was miserable, and we get that. It just that initial statement just comes yeah. across <laughs> crazy. Yeah, yeah. Because I know me, know I don't care what the hell the history is. If I sign a nine million dollar contract, I'm happy as hell. <laughs> I'm good. There, there is no more history. I don't give a damn about what just happened. I just right. signed a nine million dollar deal. Right. What? What WWE? <laughs> What's that? By the way, uh. Brandon Carney chimed in on a, on a YouTube chat. He said, so Vince didn't hold up his end of the uh-huh. bargain or with a signed contract. Why didn't he lawyer up? And I mean, yeah, that's a fair, I guess it's a fair question. I don't know why he didn't. To Vince, he didn't want to do that. That's the only sure. thing I can think of. Cause if you break a contract that's legally binded, yeah, you're well within your rights to say this guy didn't hold up their end. Right. And I don't think the contracts were, maybe, maybe the deals weren't guaranteed. I don't know. I don't know how all the parameters were of these contracts, but that's a fair question. Maybe someone, if they knew the contract, if they had the details and parameters, they could answer that. But uh, that's a fair question. If, if he all of a sudden just broke the legally binded agreement. But we know that I don't think at that point contracts are guaranteed in WWE, as far as I know. I don't know. So 
But that's a good question, Brandon Carney. Thanks for, thanks for asking. Oh uh, yeah, shout cool. out to uh, shout out to Brandon, good friend of mine. Thanks for thanks for watching, man. Well, I mean, obviously, when he signs that deal with WCW, that WWF deal is probably nullified, right? Uh, you can't, yeah. I, I don't. I'm assuming for that week, for that week, it's just kind of like a handshake deal. Like you're gonna come here, drop or, the title, or WWE reserved the right to void the contract at any point. Maybe it's one of those types of deals where they reserve the right to void it without any repercussions, something like that. Because that you know, you, when you get hired somewhere like a normal job, they can fire. There's certain times where they can terminate you. You know, just because without yeah, it's, it's you know, called any, right. So maybe that was in the terms yeah. of that particular contract. I don't know. Uh, they still obviously they still hire and fire people, and I don't know if they have to pay them after that. Con- you know, like Emma. Let's say she had a, she had three years left in her contract. I don't think WWE is entitled to pay her for the next three years. You know, to to to, to live up to that contract after they released her. So maybe it's a one way street. Which sucks, yeah. Because you yeah. see that, like I said, in the NFL, a lot guys get cut all the time and don't have to. They don't get paid anything after that. All they get is a guaranteed contract. Like Tim Jernigan just signed a forty-eight million dollar contract. All he's not going to get if, if they cut him, they're not going to get forty-eight million dollars. He's only entitled to what he got in the guaranteed portion of that, which is twenty-six million. And we hear that all the time in football. Oh, he's got his hundred twenty million dollars. Like he's not going to see all that money. He's going to get what, what he got guaranteed. Oh, 30 million. That's what he got. He might get the hundred twenty million if they don't cut him beforehand because his cap number is way too high. He's a cap casualty. We see it all the time. Right. And it, it, hey, it sucks, but it sounds like to me, if you really think about it, Bret Hart might have been a cap casualty. Cap, obviously, but it mm. sucks. It sucks, but hey, I'm not. I'm, I don't like it. No, no, no. I, that's I, what, I, what it sounds I, like. I, I get it, and I don't like. I, I think. It, I think that sucks. I think it's trash. Yeah. I think that's ridiculous. Like you expect, yeah. you expect so, undying loyalty from your roster, but you don't return it. It's bullshit. Uh, so eventually, obviously, that's November first. So the match, the match between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart has already been made for Survivor Series. Now, here's the problem: here, Bret Hart is a champion doesn't necessarily want to lose to Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series because the plan is, like as I mentioned earlier, was for Shawn Michaels to defeat Bret Hart for the WWE Championship. He keeps it until WrestleMania where he would drop it to Steve Austin, which is eventually what happened. But Shawn, Bret Hart is like, eh, I'm not feeling that. He said on the Wrestling with Shadows DVD that he would liken that to blowing his brains out, which, hey, that's pretty serious. I don't know about that, Bret Hart. That's a little... If there's one thing about Bret... He takes himself and his and his work very very seriously. Sometimes to a fault, took himself a little too serious. And a statement like that is evidence of him. Like, whoa, that's a little serious. I don't think that would be the case at all. You just your character just lost a match, but whatever. So Shawn Michaels doesn't I mean Bret Hart doesn't want to lose to Shawn Michaels. Number one, because he doesn't respect Shawn Michaels. He doesn't think Shawn Michaels has, has respect for him. He also doesn't want to lose in Canada. I don't understand why he couldn't lose in Canada, especially in Montreal, because it's not like Bret Hart is from Montreal. He's from Calgary, which is on the other side of the country. If you know a little about Canadian geography, you know that Montreal is in the east, eastern part of Canada. It's directly Calgary. north of where we are, actually. Right. And Calgary is in the western. Calgary's way out west. 
way out west. So I don't know why he like maybe if it was Calgary, I could understand more. But it's Montreal. It's not even in the same province, not even the same side of the country. But for whatever reason, he saw himself as a Canadian hero, which he was at that point because he was a babyface in Canada and heel in the United States. That was a big thing in 97. That was awesome. Right. So that was a big thing in 97. So it was a big nationalistic thing. So in his mind, losing in Canada was out. And he wanted to provide some alternatives, like I'll lose to somebody else. I'll lose somewhere else. But WWE was like, "Uh uh-uh, you lose in Survivor Series. If you're going to have a title change, that's where you would, I guess, in their minds, that's what they wanted it to happen. So eventually we get to the plan of it's it's the day of the show. Or leading up to the show, not even the day of the show. And there's still no common ground here on this. So eventually the idea gets floated around. And according to Bruce Pritchard, it was floated around by multiple people, not just Triple H, who is kind of the guy who's been penned with the with the responsibility of saying, forget him, we'll do business for him if he doesn't want to do business. But according to Bruce Pritchard, he wasn't the only one that said that. It was him, Bruce Pritchard himself, Jim Cornette, because a screw a screwy finish like that, what that wasn't the first time that ever happened in wrestling. That happened apparently all the time in the territories. But we that wasn't on pay-per-view and it wasn't before a worldwide audience, so we don't know about those those times. But this was common practice. If somebody didn't want to do business, you do it for them. Hmm. So that's that's an idea that's been floated out there. But Vince is still like, mm, well, you know, let's pump the brakes and see if they'll come around. Obviously, Brett never came around to at least losing. Now, what do you, what do you guys think about this whole Bret Hart not wanting to lose or not wanting to lose to Shawn Michaels, not wanting to lose in Canada? What what do you guys kind of what are your thoughts about that? Nick? What do you think about all that? It's tough. It's tough because these guys, with the exception of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, seems like for each other, they they just had a lot of respect for the people involved. Like, you know, Bret obviously respected Vince. Vince respected Bret and Shawn. Shawn respected Vince. You know, like Triple H, Jim Cornette, Bruce Pritchard, whatever. And it's really tough to to find, for me, to find an avenue just – really saying this one particular person's wrong because you know Bret Hart you know he had his con- creative control and I-, I think in terms of the contract and like I-, I mentioned earlier maybe their contract was null and void after Bret signed with WCW so and they were on like a handshake deal maybe but he still had that creative control like if if that was the case and he had every right to not to kind of drop the title how he saw fit but you know at the same time if you if you pride yourself on playing on tradition, being the traditional wrestler, Bret Hart wanted to be a hero. You you kind of swallow your pride at some point, even if you have disdain for a guy like Shawn Michaels, even if you lose complete respect for him, if you ever did respect him in the first place. Uh, you know, you just you do what you think your kids will look up to you and say you did the right thing. And to me, that's kind of like where he loses me in a way, like. You know, that's the wrestling tradition and he didn't do it and he had his convictions of why he didn't do it. And he probably did stand up for what he believed in, but look what stemmed on it. You know, I'm I'm sure it's nothing that he's proud of at at this point. I'm sure he's said like, yeah. And I think everyone involved was like, maybe at this point, you know, it could have been handled differently, but I, I think it, 
really with the exception of Brett, it worked out for, you know, the WWF side, but, um, you know, uh, it, it's really tough for me to blame one particular person, but if any, if anyone would, would get the most blame for me, it would have to be Brett. Brian, what about you? What do you think of all of that? Uh, I, I love Brett, but Brett didn't, didn't take, didn't take WWE going in a new direction. Didn't take uh, the 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 uh, emergence of the Attitude Era. He didn't take any of that well, and um, he went out kicking and screaming. He uh, he didn't want to. He didn't want to play nice. He didn't want to play by the rules. He didn't want to. Um, he didn't want to conform. He didn't want to listen. It's because his feelings were hurt. As we say, Vaughn, you know the saying, he was in his feelings. Yep. <clears throat> so he acted he acted out. He was tripping. He was bugging. And he was he probably felt he was right about everything he was doing or not doing because he felt he felt betrayed. He felt disregarded. He felt unappreciated. Yeah. <clears throat> and um he was pissed off. So I'm not I'm not trying yeah. to I'm not trying to rationalize what he did because it's a whole lot of sucker stuff that Brett was doing around that time. Um he just he was just upset. That's all I could chalk it up to. He was just mad that the writing was on the wall. WWE, WWF at that time was moving on without him, and he knew that something special was on the horizon. And he didn't want to go to WCW because he knew how, how exciting WWF was going to be. And he wanted to be a part of that. And they said, nah, you can't be a part of this, son. Go get your $9 million. <laughs> They might have done him a favor, though, because he, he it's well documented how he kept criticizing the product for you know the sexual stuff and the more adult themed, you know, storylines. And, you know, how, how would he have fit in that? Like, for me, the furthest he could have went was what he did in '97. You know, like how can you get more "quote unquote" attitude-ish than he, he was in that in that I know, year? His he would have gotten. He was getting so much heat as crybaby Brett in the states that that would have worked for a while. Yeah, I think that could have worked. Like Kurt Angle, it was goody. He was like because Bret Hart was still like a goody two shoes to us. Yeah. So that's what that's why Kurt Angle was, was a heel. Yeah. He, was, he was perfect. He was he drank milk. He had three eyes, and it was like, oh, who cares about this? The best perfect. part. The best part is when yeah, like he doesn't know? know why people don't like him. <laughs> that's like the best part. Right. And that could have worked. I don't think Brett would have been as cheesy, but right. That could that could have worked, and like he was a god no. when they went to Canada. So. You talk about that John Cena's the most polarizing. Nah, it it was Brett. And it, there's another thing. WCW kind of sucked outside of the US. They didn't know how to market well and yeah. Like, you know, they they right. kind of dropped it with their they they could have had that Canadian base come in when Brett came in and they didn't really do anything with it. Uh, uh they, WCW, they did a lot of things. WCW sucked. Beyond TV, after TV they suck. Yeah, there's a lot of things they they kind of dropped the ball on. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on was that yeah, Brett did have reasonable creative control. That's what his 
termed as reasonable creative control. What that, how far wow. he could have gotten with that creative control. That's a, that's a vague term, reasonable. So it is vague. You know, he he had he did have say <laughs> some say, but he didn't have all the say. Apparently, it, it, what it means is if Vince or creative don't deem it reasonable, hell no. <laughs> there you yeah, go. It's reasonable to have him uh, lose the last match and have him drop his last the title in his last match. Uh, to me, that seems rather reasonable, right. even yeah, if it is. Now, in Bruce Pritchard said one of the alternatives could have been. This is, I think, I guess something that was thrown out was that Brett could have kept it to WrestleMania and dropped it to Austin at WrestleMania. That was an alternative, but that obviously wasn't going to happen. That obviously did not happen. But another thing from Vince's standpoint, we know Brett's standpoint, but from Vince's standpoint, he wanted to not only go with his heel, top heel as a champion, so he could top drop it to his eventual top babyface. He also was definitely afraid of what I mentioned earlier of what I mentioned happened on December 18th, 1995 for whatever reason he thought that Brett, if he had left with that title was going to pop up on WCW TV and do something to deface it or, you know, devalue yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. The, way, I, the look, way, the way Brett was feeling, he probably would have pissed on it, but I don't think he would have <laughs> ever done that. I don't think Brett would have, I don't know Brett personally. And I will admit that I think Brett was, wrong for not wanting to lose and all this net but i think he had he had enough integrity to be like i'm not gonna do that that's the people that's a place that made me and I, i'm that's the reason why i got nine million dollars in the bank and i just don't think brett would do something like that in general just he had to i think he had too much respect for the business overall number two wcw couldn't do that because they had gotten sued for what medusa did and eric bischoff i think i said in interviews i i wouldn't i wouldn't have done it because i didn't want to, <laughs> to get sued again so Vince, I understood where Vince was coming from and not wanting that to happen. He felt like he was back into a corner and he had to do it. And which listen, you see that once that we'll into more on that later on. Yeah, you see you see that once happen to you, what Medusa did. You you put up that wall, man. You say there's no way I'm even gonna allow that the chance to happen ever again. Right. And apparently Vince wasn't really on board with the screw job whole thing in the beginning. He had not that he had to be talked into it, but he was trying to not he's trying to avoid that. And he just I guess he was left with no choice. So now let's get to November 9th, 1997. Where apparently throughout the day there were discussions, and we saw this in Wrestling with Shadows, where they're talking throughout the day, and even there's a point where Brett Hart wore a mic in a private meeting he and Vince had one-on-one. Which is kind of weird for a you know, filmmaker to do is to sneak a mic in that if you're not supposed to be in on that. But whatever, great access for us. So, and they, apparently the, what they kind of agreed to was a schmaz, a, a DQ, where they're fighting each other and the Heart Foundation comes out and wrecks things and, you know, the whole big DQ schmaz. And maybe, you know, Bret Hart comes up the next night and hands over the title. I guess he would have done. I, I could see him doing that, but I don't think that would have helped WWE because here comes Brett on Nitro now, and they can claim that he he's a guy that never lost a WWE title. You know, he he was a champion, and he still left. <laughs> you know, something like right. that. You know, they would have said something like that. So, but the plan was apparently for the Hart Foundation to run in and to mess everything up. Apparently, beforehand though. Because obviously, here's the people who knew that this was going to happen. Vince McMahon, Triple H, 
and Shawn Michaels. As far as we know, it's the only people that knew it was going to happen. Apparently, Earl Hebner only found out right before he walked to the ring. So even he didn't know until like seconds before he was in the ring. Uh, but apparently, through, and, oh, and another person who knew was Jerry Briscoe, because apparently he had offered to, to teach Shawn Michaels a couple of holds just in case things got real out there. <laughs> and I don't think he, I don't think Shawn, I think Shawn Michaels turned him down, but regardless, you know, Jerry Briscoe knew. So we get to it and the match is going crazy and they're, they're doing everything. And, but oh, I skip, I'm skipping ahead before the match, even I should say that like all these conversations they've had, Brett and Sean even had talks before the match. And that kind of came to some terms, like some type of you know common ground. Okay, we know we got heat in the past, but let's go out here and let's do business and let's let bygones be bygones. And then the match happens, and Shawn Michaels has got him on the mat, has got his legs, and initially he crossed his legs the wrong way. And Bret Hart lying on his back had to tell Sean, hey, no, the other way. Sean fixes it. Turned him over, Earl rang the bell. So essentially, Bret Hart kind of signed his own death warrant. <laughs> and, Brett. Brett. Huh. Right, and in that sense, at least, because he had to tell Sean how to do the sharpshooter, which ultimately led to him losing the title seconds later. That's a goddamn shame. It's crazy, right? That is nuts. Um, that's like somebody putting a gun to your head. <laughs> and they and you load the bullets. Hold up, it's jammed. Let me unjam it for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's that's. And they both, and then little sit down DVD they did a couple years ago. They both remember that. So yeah, that that definitely happened. Um. So now it's happened, and. Bret Hart, we all saw Bret Hart spit in Vince McMahon's face. He's tearing up the ring and all that stuff. He does the whole W, you know, W, C, W, whole, that whole thing. Is that your big announcement? You're going to WCW, Vaughn? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Women, crush, Women Crush Wednesdays, baby. Got all the women, cru- the women's crushes, the women's. Yeah, yeah. Where they at? <laughs> all the women's. <laughs> Where where they at though? <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's happened. Bret Hart is obviously upset. The Hart Foundation's in the ring with him. Shawn Michaels is like he pretends he doesn't know. He he's like, what happened? Yeah. Takes the belt, gets the hell out of Dodge. Now this is where things get really crazy, right? Because th- this is a story that Bruce Pritchard told was that Undertaker, who wasn't on the show sat next to him in Gorilla. Then he got up and went somewhere. I forget what, no, Vince, Bruce told Takers, like, hey, because if you recall, they shot their entrances from the time they left the locker room up until they left through the curtain. They shot all of that. So apparently Bruce told Taker, hey, they're going to be shooting here, so you might want to move, you know, get out the way so they don't get you on camera and you're not in the way. Taker goes off somewhere else. I think he watched, I think he said he watched the match in Vince's office. So when everything goes down, Taker is standing in Vince's office. He's like guarding. He's like standing in the doorway with his arms crossed, apparently. And he's looking at Taker, thinking Taker knew. And but Taker's looking at Bruce, like because Bruce sent him away. He's looking at Bruce, like, oh, Bruce knew. <laughs> and apparently, neither one of them knew. They just 
signals got crossed. So no one knew except like the people I named earlier that knew that this is going to happen. Even Bruce Pritchard, who was like Vince's right hand man, he didn't know. I think maybe, maybe Pat Patterson knew, maybe I don't know. But so obviously we saw wrestling with shadows. That eventually Vince makes his way to Bret Hart's locker room. Now, apparently, according to Bruce Pritchard, before they walked in, as they were walking down the hallway, the Hart family, like his wife, his sisters, spit on Bruce and Vince as they were walking into the locker room. Like Hawk spit on them. Man, the Hart family is just... They, they spit. just don't give They're a damn. spitters. Spitters. They, they don't, spitters, yeah. Not they were all spitting that night. Yeah, they were all spitting that night. Um... Apparently, he went to the he saw the Heart Foundation first. This is Vince I'm referring to. Saw the Heart Foundation first and was like, "What did you expect me to do?" And then went to Brett, who was in the shower apparently, and then came back out and he's like, "You left me no choice." That's what Bruce said at least. And of course, we know what happened where Brett Hart sucker punched Vince. Vince Vince hit the deck. And we all saw him leaving out of the locker room, all disheveled and limping out, which was hilarious. Uh, and that whole scene where, you know, Triple H and Sean, they're did denying it. Did he sucker punch him? I thought, I thought Vince said you, you get one shot or some, some macho stuff. Well, he didn't. I don't know if he told Brett that, but Vince knew that he was going to punch him. He, was, he yeah. knew that it was going to happen, so he just let it happen. Uh, I don't know if he told okay. Brett that. Uh, I don't think he did. I think Brett told him. I think Brett told him, I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And wrestling with Shadows, he's like, you guys, all right. You know, and then he said, if that there's like, I don't know if Bruce said it on his show, but they said, uh, you know, if I, if I get out of the shower you're, and you're still here, I'm going to punch punch your head off or something like that. So, yeah. Like yeah. He, okay. like Vince knew he, he was going to attack him at some point. Yeah. yeah. He, just, he just let oh, it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Catch these hands, Vince. <laughs> yeah, uh, Brandon Carney chimed in again. He said he think the problem not only was HBK, but also because he had to tap out. But that that wasn't the original plan. Though. The original plan was for Brett to lose. I don't think the, the plan wasn't for him to tap out to his own submission. That was that was a screw job plan. Yeah, but that wasn't the original match plan. The original match plan was probably super kick one two three. Right, you know, which was like you know, WrestleMania. So to clarify that, yeah, the screw job plan was for him yeah. to get the sharpshooter. I think that was just to add insult to injury. Maybe, or they saw it as an easy way to get him out of there because that was, the, the sharpshooter was a planned spot. Because, like I said, Brett had to correct Sean, so they knew that was going to happen. And you see Brett grabbing at Sean's leg, ready to reverse it, because that was the to plan. The, the call to match right then and there. You know, you know how much that devalues his move. He got beat by his own move. Hmm. Yeah, and, and, and the rock turned into like a high spot. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, the rock sharpshooter is as is terrible. Oh, <laughs> I hate it. Shooter, yeah, it was I terrible. Hate Cesaro sharpshooter, I hate it. Stop doing it. Well, Natty's got a nice type sharpshooter, right? She uses it. Uh, yeah. So right. okay, I, I, I like Natty. So. It's- <laughs> So uh, obviously we also replay the scene of um, we saw the scene in Wrestling with Shadows with Bret Hart's wife, I think it's now his ex-wife. I don't think they're married anymore. Where she's like, "You knew Triple H, you knew, you you saw that, you knew this was gonna happen." And Triple H's like, "I knew nothing. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything." Lying. 
That's why his nose so and damn of course, big because he was lying <laughs> <laughs> right to her face, man. But they but they were told to lie. They were Vince was like, yeah. don't, don't deny deny everything, deny everything. It's on me. I'll own up to it. And Sean did the same thing. You know, it's it's a crappy thing to do, but he did the same thing. Where he's like, did you know about this, Sean? Swear to effing God, didn't know. Yeah, yeah man. Swear to God. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Isn't that funny? That's funny to me. Repeat that because yeah, you froze on me. You so guys now he's like a Christian. Uh, <laughs> uh, man, I don't I don't know, know, I'm Is this my internet connection or something? I can still hear you, though, Nick. So you're good with no, me. We good. We good. Yeah, like, am I am I going in and out? No. You guys are freezing. Get your internet connection up, cuz. Get that handled. It is. Everything's working. Everything's working on mine. Anyway. I haven't had a hiccup yet. Maybe with Brian, Brian a little bit, but the, I, you know, that's to be expected. He's on the phone, I believe. So, right, right. So, but he's still, you know, we're all wait, 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 wait to call that out, Vaughn. Hey, man, what, what's going on with this? What, what, why are we why like? Are we no one knew. Doing the show. What, what, what's going on here? What are we doing? <laughs> we're breaking the fourth wall a little bit here. Let's break it. I mean, the. The screw job broke the fourth wall for all of wrestling on that night, so why not do it here a little <laughs> why bit? Why not? Why not? Why not? Yeah. So, all right. So, what happened? What do you guys think about what happened, like, the aftermath as far as, like, what happened backstage in the locker room in that hallway where Vince is stumbling out of the locker room? Like, that's a surreal – it has to be, like, a surreal type of scene. What do you guys kind of, like, think about all that? It is. That's, like, a f- almost – a fairy tale in a way where you're like, wow, I can't really believe that happened. But according to everyone that was there, it happened. And, you know, like their stories corroborate pretty much. And, uh, you know, like kudos to Vince for going in there and like, listen, like, like you said, he said I had to do it, you know, and as the owner of that company, you know, to be in that position, that's gotta be one of the hardest calls he's had to make. But at the same time, you know, he probably didn't even, you know, think twice about it. He's like, listen, like Brett's not leaving this arena with the title tonight. And there's going to be a way we make that happen regardless. Right. And to, it, it's kind of weird that Bret Hart thought that a main event and a huge pay-per-view would end in a DQ. You know, it's kind of like, like even how could they have sold him on that? You know, like I, that's got to be something where, did, did Brett really think that it was going to end in a DQ? And Apparently. I don't know. That's just kind of he walked I mean, into it. I, I would not have responded well to that as a fan. I know that for sure. That could have been true. worse. I, I, I can understand that. Like no one right. would talk about. It. I, I um, even though Vince, we I think we all agree that Vince was in the wrong. Like everybody, I think to me, a lot of people were wrong. Not just Vince, not just Brett. They were. I think they were both wrong. But. As much as we can blame him for what happened, I mean, he did kind of own up to it after that. It's like, look, I, I did what I did. He ain't running hit. He could have ran and hide from Brett. He couldn't have ran and hid from Brett. And I was like, I don't want to see him. Oh no, keep him security. Get him out of here. Yeah. He ain't had no security. Walked up to Brett. It's like, look, man, I do what I had to do. Took that punch, <laughs> hit the deck, and left. Bro, Vince went up against the federal government. He ain't scared of no Brett Hart. <laughs> <laughs> He's a man. That's a man thing to do. I'll give him credit for that at least. What's the fun punch to the face when he was facing fed time? <laughs> hey, but, 
a lot of people ain't taking no punches to the face. You'd be surprised. I mean, people would be like, punch to the face? Heaven, heavens no. You know? Heaven's the Mercatroid. <laughs> yeah. Exit. Stage left. No punches to the face, please. Yeah, he should have exit stage left, but you know, he got this left hand. Hold that. <laughs> Bret Hart's a southpaw. Uh, so yeah, that, that, that had to be like a crazy, real crazy ass night. Just, and apparently the, the, everybody was thinking about walking out. Only one person yeah. did, apparently. It's only Mick Foley. Yeah. <laughs> Mick Foley, that. Dude, and honest, probably, Mick Foley was the only one. Probably should have brought this up at the finish of the match. That crowd was kind of electric the whole match, and especially the front row. And they were like on their feet almost the whole time. And when Sean and Brett were on the outside, you know, they, they were just moving. And it was almost like a club scene where everyone was pushing everyone, you know, it's just to kind of get a good view. And then once, once the bell rang, you see everybody stand up and run to the guardrail and they're just kind of like, what the hell just happened? And that's kind of an underrated thing that I've, I've watched more of the last few years. It's just like crowd reaction to that. Cause you know, back then I didn't even care about that, but like imagine being there and like, that's your hero in the ring, you know, and you don't see him give up. And there was one guy in the audience that was just kind of staring the whole time. He, he just kind of went up and he was like looking right in the ring to see if there was something wrong with Bret Hart or something like that. <laughs> like it was the funniest thing, but the crowd reaction is one of the more entertaining aspects of that whole thing to me, at least. The crowds back then were a million times better than they are now. Well, they got stuff to, they had stuff to cheer for back then. We ain't got nothing to cheer for too much now. Yeah. They didn't, you know. have, they didn't have they didn't have uh mobile phones back then. That too. And we, they weren't doing this I mean, is awesome every match. And, uh, yeah. You can't wrestle. Oh, what's the one? Uh I hate when they did, R- H- H- yeah. they did chant Sean is gay. <laughs> oh wow. That's, that's pretty bad. Um but yeah, you still got it. I hate that chant. Uh what's the other one I hate? Oh man, it's never that. I hate that one. But there's another one. It's like when they chant, I hate. Oh, yeah, that's it. Oh, God, I hate that one. That's terrible. (laughs) It's so stupid. You got to make sure that's on your tombstone many, many years from now. (laughs) I'm I'm going to be the one to buy it. I'm going to buy a tombstone. Put that on there. (laughs) This is death. No, nah, this, this is this is. You put over God, man. You put over God. <laughs> put over God. Going to the big, <laughs> to the big wrestling promotion in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> WW Heaven. <laughs> oh man. That's yeah, funny. So. I hate that chant. I still hate that chant, man. How did we get from chance to that? Like, well, we just—I don't know. Y'all killed me. Y'all just killed me. No, nah, he said this. Oh wait, I did. I did. Sorry. Yeah, you said that. You just you now. I'm gonna go out here and get shot or something like that. Thanks, Nick. You just put that up, put that evil on me. I mean, what a way to go, right? No, it's not. I got important no, I mean, things. Like, yeah, we just did our Montreal episode. Yo. So I got important yeah, the, things to do. You talk about what a way to go. I'm talking about the screw job. That's not the how I want to die. Gonna roll up on, on, on. <laughs> Nobody come pick you up, Hello. <laughs> I'll be all right. Like I'll take an Uber home. Down, huh? 
right, so let's wrap let's wrap it up with this note, I guess, and kind of talk about what this night meant and what what effect it had on the wrestling industry as a whole. It, it, you know, uh, Nick, kind of kind of talk about that. Kind of give us some perspective and what do you oh, think its lasting lasting effect has been on the wrestling industry? Uh, there, there's so many things you can point to. You know, obviously Austin's rise, the Mr. McMahon character. Uh, you know, would it have been as big? You know, without that, uh, would Austin have been as big without that? Yeah. Because uh, you know, everyone say Hulk Hogan had Roddy Piper, and that's why he became so popular. Austin had Vince McMahon. The Rock is just, you know, who did he have? I mean, they he had the Austin, but at the same time. He never had a Vince McMahon at his at that level that Austin did. So uh, that's kind of interesting. Maybe we can visit that later on, just kind of the rock and how he fit into all that. Uh, you know, Bret Hart and WCW kind of like it started off okay, but he just kind of lost his way by like the middle of 98. It was just kind of like, what the hell is he doing? He turns heel, you know, like five months later after he debuts and sides with Hogan, like everything about that was just trash. And, you know, when once, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, man, I kind of felt bad for him because I wanted to see him in a prominent position and what, and like he never really was. And then when he won the title, even then, you know, there was already kind of like a, a stain on his WCW run. And there was almost like nothing he could do to, get that off of him in my opinion, you know, whenever I watched him in WCW. So, you know, he, he probably would have still been wrestling well into the mid two thousands, I guess, you know, and it's easy to say that now, but you know, um, you know, what, what if he had come back, if he was still healthy once WWE bought WCW, like would he have come back in the wrestling capacity? You know, if obviously he didn't, he suffered so pretty, that concussion. So pretty upset about the screw job and about upset about his brother dying too. Yeah, and he hey, he, we didn't even touch on that. Uh, you know that would not blame him one bit if he never even like spoke to Vince again after that. And you know, he was able to credit to him as a man, as as a person, to be able to look at the guy in the eye that screwed him, not only screwed him, but can be you know, blamed for the death of his brother in one way or another. So, uh, you know, I enjoy hearing his interview since then. And, you know, that WrestleMania match against Vince was funny, but funny. It, was know, it was funny because <laughs> Vince thought, Vince thought he, he bought his family. Like it was just, it was hilarious. That was terrible. Uh, <laughs> in, in a good way. No, in a horrible way. It's terrible. <laughs> All terrible. But, Nothing good about yeah, it. Yeah, you know, like, it, just I think it wound up working out uh, in terms of wrestling. Uh, but it's still like a fantastic story to tell. Like we we think we know everything about that, but you know, they somebody else could do a podcast that was there. Triple H could do like an in depth podcast of that. We probably found out something new that we didn't know at that point. Yeah. So this is just one. This is one of those events that I never get tired of hearing about. Brian, what what about you? Um, there's a lot of things that go to it. Uh, that that was the start of a new era. Um, beginning of the Mister McMahon character, one of the greatest heels 
uh man it's just it 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 has it has more positives than than negatives it has more pros than cons uh the the wrestling the, the attitude era just was so fantastic and that was that was one of the that was one of the starting points you know so you don't have that screw job great television for the next four five six years so i mean you gotta you gotta take the good with the bad the bad part being was bret hart was never ever ever the same after that that combined with the death of his brother just really made him fall out of love with the sport of uh, professional wrestling and eric bischoff is 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 documented as saying that he wasn't he what that wasn't the hitman. That wasn't Bret Hart roaming the WCW locker room. He didn't want to be there. So um and I think uh WCW's lack of the ability to develop talent or 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 create interesting storylines for people like Bret led to their ultimate demise. So you know, maybe ah, man, I mean that that's the bad part about it. That's the bad part. To see Brett go through that, to see Brett, even though he got his money that he so well deserved because he worked so hard for over thirty years, he got his money, but he didn't enjoy it. He was miserable. So that was the bad part. The good part about it was all the great characters that came out of it. Like I said, the Vince McMahon character, the rivalry with Stone Cold. Uh, all the new uh, characters coming in for WWE and developing their their personalities and getting over with the crowd and stuff stuff like that. It was just great television. It was just great stuff to see. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's definitely a tremendous story that could be told maybe in a thirty for thirty one day. Who knows? But huh. I, I, I think that would be cool. It'll probably be better than Nature Boy one. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Hopefully it happens. Um, yeah, it's just, I think it taught people to not get too wrapped up in this whole thing. Like, to me, like, I, I think it, what I took away from it is, for one, the Brett-Sean rivalry, that whole thing, probably would have been settled with a conversation or two and just come to an understanding, and it just never happened for whatever reason. If they just sat down and talked about it, you know, maybe they could have came to some type of terms, and you wouldn't have had to worry about Brett not wanting to lose to Shawn Michaels because he didn't have he didn't feel like Brett had Shawn had respect for him and all this net. Let's be big boys, sit down, hash it out. You don't have to be best friends. Let's do business, be cordial, and move on. And instead, they let it spiral out of control to to, to the point that this happened because that definitely played a part. Uh, as far as Brett, I think he took himself took himself way too serious. I mean. Not wanting to lose in Canada and you know, or to or to Sean or whatever. What was what would have been the harm in just losing? I don't think that would have been at the worst thing in the world. And I just think that he could have handled himself better. I think Vince could have handled himself better and not lied to someone's face about what they were gonna do that night. You know, if he, I can understand him wanting to get something. He's a boss, so I understand him wanting to get something done that he wants to get done. But when once you start agreeing with Brett and selling Brett, what do you want to do? Okay, we'll do that, and then you don't do it. That's that's where I have a, have an issue because you didn't live up to your word. 
uh, as they say, word is bond, B. You got you to live up to your word, man. So, and, you know, there's a lot, like I said, a lot of people at fault here. Sean, for lying to Triple H, he, he, you know, as much as Vince could take the heat, Sean actually enacted what he wanted, what Vince wanted, you know. You can say Vince loaded the bullets or even Brett loaded up the bullets, but Sean pulled that trigger. And he didn't have to. He could have said, Brett, this is what they're going this is what they're trying to do. I don't like it. But because they didn't have respect for each other, he was probably like, whatever, dude. I'm just gonna he may not like he may not have liked it, but he didn't shy away from it. So uh so yeah, he's at fault. Triple H lied to Brett's wife's face. Yeah. I didn't know anything about it. Didn't know anything about it. So it's a lot of crazy stuff, man. I think I think uh I think the whole business learned from it, hopefully. And just don't let something like that get to that point. Then and, uh you know, if you, didn't Rick Flair did didn't Triple H call Rick Flair a liar on that thirty for thirty? <laughs> a consummate liar. He did. And then he lied but twenty years earlier he was lying to Brett White Hart's wife face. Yeah, yeah. That's funny to me. Yeah, a lot of people lie. Everybody lies. Yes. But um so yeah, hopefully the business is better off because of it. Something like that had to happen, even though it sucks for what happened to Brett and you know, and eventually Sean, he, he had to go through his own stuff. But hopefully the business as a whole learned from that and we don't see a repeat or something like that. If you, two guys got heat in the locker room, settle that because you got business to attend to. And if someone wants to get a finish done, it's not that deep. It's it's, it's just as fake as when you it's just as fake when you win as it is when you lose. So that's what I take away from it. True that. True that. So with that said, Let's wrap it up. I know we just talked yesterday. I don't know if we got any more uh, plugs. I mean, Brian, did you forget a, a plug from yesterday? Mm, nah, same stuff. Uh, Temple University next Wednesday. Uh, next Friday, I'll be in Brooklyn. Um, so I got I got an announcement just like you. I have a huge announcement regarding my um, album recording on January 28th. Man. So stay tuned. Don't be that. stealing my thunder, man. I'm not going to steal your thunder. But I am going to steal your thunder. Damn it. Well, Nick, I have no usual plugs, I guess. I feel left out now. But (laughs) you can follow me at Nick Bacone on Twitter and us at Shooters Radio on Twitter. And follow my sports at phillyinfluencer.com and wrestling at phillyvoice.com. I'm at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. Follow my work for the time being at the Square Circle blog on philly.com. Uh, I will be interviewing Rhett Titus tomorrow for a story on Ring of Honor because they got shows coming up in Florida this weekend. So check that out on the Square Circle blog at philly.com. I don't have a big – my announcement will come later tonight. Why not? Ah, So look out for that. And uh, on the Twitter and on maybe on the Facebook, so all that good jazz – if you're listening to us on Wi-Fi radio on a Friday, then you probably already know. So regardless for Brian Isley and for Nick Pacone, I'm Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 123 of the straight shooters on YouTube, iTunes, Google play, Stitcher, and of course the mothership on TuneIn radio. And of course the mothership Wi-Fi radio.com. And we'll catch you again next Wednesday night, for episode 124. You've been listening to the Straight Shooters on Wildfire Radio. 
For advertising opportunities, contact Nick Picone via email at piconenick at gmail.com or call 856-625-1190.